0: This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will be another adapted OrthoBullets Core webinar from the OrthoBullets Core curriculum, and this one will cover leg calve-perthes disease from the pediatric section. The topic will be reviewed by Dr. Rachel Goldstein, who is a pediatric orthopedic surgeon and the director of the Hip Preservation Program at the Children's Hospital of Los Angeles.
1: Let's move on to leg calve-perthes disease, or Plana. So this is an idiopathic avascular necrosis of the proximal femoral epiphysis that is seen in children. It affects somewhere around 1 in 10,000 kids and tends to occur in school-age children. Male to female ratio is somewhere between 4 and 5 to 1. It can be bilateral in about 10% of patients, but it should never be in the same stage of disease. So if you see symmetric involvement of leg calvae perthes disease, you want to consider some type of skeletal dysplasia. Risk factors for Perthes disease include family history, low birth weight, secondhand smoke, and certain patient populations. So we know a little bit about Perthes but we don't understand it very well. We know that osteonecrosis occurs secondary to the disruption of the blood supply. You get revascularization and then you get resorption with collapse. What we don't really understand that well is why you get that disruption to your blood supply. So some people think that this might be associated with abnormal clotting factors. Uh, Somewhere between 50 and 75% of patients have some type of coagulopathy. Or it could be related to repeated microtrauma and mechanical overload. And this is supported by the fact that about one in three patients have attention deficit hyperactivity disorder associated with their leg Calvary Perthes disease. And then we know that uh, secondhand smoke also aggravates this. So we don't know what to make of all these things. We know on histology that the femoral epiphysis and the physis have disorganized cartilage areas with hypercellularity and fibrillation and we know that a third of these patients have associated ADHD and then strangely almost all of them have delayed bone age and that bone age can be pretty significantly delayed of one to two years. Important prognostic factors are young age and maintenance of good range of motion. There are some less important prognostic factors, including patient weight and duration to healing. But most important are young age and maintenance of range of motion. Long-term studies show that most of these patients do well until their fifth or sixth decade of life, and then about 50% of them need hip replacement secondary to asphericity of the femoral head. The course is self-limiting. So I usually tell patients from the time that they present to me that this is going to take about five years to resolve. They can resolve quicker, but I tell patients this is going to be a very long course. So questions about Perthes disease. We have a six-year-old boy with left leg pain and limping. His x-rays are consistent with Perthes disease. And this question is asking you to identify that the lateral pillar classification is done during fragmentation stage and that it typically takes about six months from onset of symptoms until fragmentation appears. So this is referring to the Waldenstrom classification. And this is four stages. The initial stage, radiographs can essentially look normal, but you begin to have some pain. The second stage is fragmentation stage. And this can last anywhere from about six months to two years. This is when symptoms are most prevalent. And this is when we typically will use the lateral pillar classification. Reossification is when things start to heal. And this can last up to about 18 months and then healing or remodeling can occur all the way through skeletal maturity. Now the lateral pillar classification is the classification system that we use to help us guide treatment. It's based on the height of the lateral pillar relative to the central portion of the femoral head. This provides us with the most diagnostic information. The so lateral pillar A, your lateral pillar maintains the same height. These patients tend to have very good outcomes. Lateral pillar B, you have about 50% of the height, and these patients, if they're young, have good outcomes. If they're older, poorer outcomes. Uh, BC Border is a group that was introduced later, and this is patients who are narrowed or poorly ossified at approximately 50% of the height. And then lateral pillar C, you have less than 50% of your height maintained, and these patients do poorly regardless. So the next classification system is the catarol classification and this is based on the degree of head involvement. At-risk signs, so more at-risk signs means more severe disease. So catarol classification group one involves only the anterior epiphysis, group two anterior epiphysis in the central portion, Group three, only a small part of the pythesis is not involved. And group four is total head involvement. There are so many classification systems in Perthes disease, and this just speaks to how much we're trying to understand Perthes and don't really. The Stolberg classification is useful in skeletally mature patients, and it speaks to the congruency between the femoral head and the acetabulum. The lower the Stolberg classification, the better long-term outcomes patients have. These patients tend to present with an insidious onset of a painless limp, and they can intermittently complain of hip, knee, or groin, or thigh pain. These patients often look like a transient synovitis at initial presentation, but they fail to have resolution of their symptoms. These patients show loss of range of motion, specifically internal rotation and abduction and they can have all types of gait disturbances but most commonly we see a Trendelenburg type gait. These patients all need x-rays and this is critical in diagnosis and prognosis. So early findings are medial joint space widening and you can see a crescent sign and this represents subchondral fracture. Bone scan, this is more of historical significance but decreased uptake can show cold lesion and can help provide information on thermal head involvement. More commonly now, we're using MRI. This allows us for early diagnosis, and MR perfusion-type protocols can show us the amount of head involvement. Arthrogram, this gives us dynamic information about the fit between the femoral head and the acetabulum. Just a word on differential diagnosis, transient synovitis is always high on the list. You have to rule out infectious etiologies for this. Patients who are in same-stage disease, you want to consider an epiphyseal dysplasia. African-Americans very, very rarely get like calve Perthes disease and so you want to consider sickle cell disease in those patients. Uh, You can also see Gaucher hypothyroidism and Myers dysplasia. The goal of the treatment with Perthes disease is to contain the hip. You want the ball to stay in the socket. That'll restore your range of motion and decrease your symptoms. So some patients can be managed with observation and activity restrictions and these patients are generally the younger patients with less involvement. You want to protect their weight-bearing and try to keep the femoral head well maintained and maintain range of motion. Bracing and casting haven't generally been found to be very beneficial for most people, and about 60% of these patients, if properly selected, don't require surgery throughout their course. So we have a nine-year-old male, so he's on the older side for Perthes disease, and he's had six months of symptoms. He has near full range of motion. X-rays demonstrate a lateral pillar B in fragmentation stage. So how would we treat that? So a lateral pillar B who's over eight years old, these are patients who need surgical intervention. There's a lot of controversy over exactly what, but we do know that these patients do better with surgical intervention. For surgical interventions, we can consider femoral and or pelvic osteotomies. We want to do this in patients over eight especially those who are more involved, who have more collapse. Uh, You can do proximal femoral varus osteotomy, pelvic osteotomies, uh, there's a wide variety of options. And so patients with lateral pillar A and those who are young and with a B do well. Patients who are older and or lateral pillar C do poorly. And recent studies show that we can make the biggest difference in patients who are lateral pillar B or BC border and who are over about eight years old. We want to consider valgus osteotomies or salvage type pelvic osteotomies in patients who have hinged abduction. A portion of the femoral head is outside the acetabulum. And you can imagine that if this patient tries to abduct, they will hinge on this portion of the acetabulum. So a valgus osteotomy seeks to remove that and shelf or Chiari will increase your coverage. There's also hip arthroscopy. This is emerging, and there's not a lot of information out about that now. And then arthrodiastasis. This is really controversial, but you can find some information about this as well. Um, And the thought is that if you can distract the hip with an external fixation type device, that you'll be able to allow the femoral head to remodel into a shape that is more functional. So, VDROs are considered in early stages of Perthes disease, patient who had a proximal femoral osteotomy when he was a lateral pillar B, um, and the goal is to reposition the femoral head inside the acetabulum. These patients can have complications. They are most likely going to have some femoral head deformity, including magna or plana, and the most important prognostic factor like we mentioned earlier, is Stolberg classification. So how the femoral head and the acetabulum fit together. Uh, You can also have premature ficeal arrest in these patients, which can lead to trochanteric overgrowth, short neck, coccibreva, and they can have a limb length discrepancy. You can have loose fragments and degenerative arthritis. Patients who have a asphericity of the femoral head and they uh, have an acetabulum that doesn't fit well with the femoral head, Stolberg 3, 4s, and 5s, these have much higher rates of degenerative arthritis and oftentimes will require total hip arthroplasty.
0: That's all for this review on leg calvae perthes disease. If you would like access to the full video version of these core webinars, sign up for the OrthoBullets core curriculum today. There will be a link in the show notes for anyone. Who is interested look out for questions related to this topic on this weekend's question session and hopefully this episode will have prepared you for that review thanks so much for listening this is the ortho bullets podcast a daily audio review session by ortho bullets the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education see you all tomorrow